Hello, everybody. Welcome to Romage TV. We're really fortunate to have a fantastic guest with us tonight. And we're going to be talking about the experience of working through COVID and thinking about self-care and nurses as well. So before we get started and we get introduced to our fantastic guest, let's go to Dave. And Dave, if you can tell us how people can join in and, and share their experiences or ask questions themselves. Oh, uh, yeah. Thanks, Nikki. Hi, everyone. Uh, so as always, we've got a couple of options of how you can join in tonight's episode of MHTV. Uh, the first one is on Facebook Live. Obviously, next to the screen where you're watching this episode, just wander to the right and you'll see a panel where you can put in some comments, questions, thoughts, anything that you want to share tonight, then we'd love to read it. Uh, and obviously, anything appropriate we'll bring into the conversation. Uh, the other way is on Twitter. And obviously, all you need to do on Twitter is to use the hashtag MHTV. We'll be searching that throughout the episode. And again, anything that's uh, got MHTV on it, We'll bring into the episode tonight uh, but without further ado straight back to you nikki fantastic Juan, thank you so much for being with us so excited um can you tell us a little bit about yourself but first can you introduce yourself for anyone who isn't aware of you yeah um, hello um my, my name is joan ponce la plana and as you can see by my accent um this is not a yorkshire accent despite me being in yorkshire for the last 20 years um i was born in spain um a while ago but um one day, um, 21 years ago, I decided to pack my suitcase and pursue my dream of being a nurse here in the UK. And I've been working as a nurse in the in England for the last 21 years. So how did you come into to be a nurse? And what was your journey into nursing? Uh, to be honest, it, it was a bit for uh, for luck. Um, I was um, I was 17. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, my dad told me that I needed to go to university that was compulsory or I needed to find a job. Um, I didn't want to find a job at that point. And I did um, I did like um, 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 physiotherapy. I, I used to love biology. I was very curious and everything. But um, I at that time also, I was very passionate about football. Um, I used to live in Barcelona um, that we have, um, despite anybody say, the best team in the world. Um, you know, if you have any comments, um, please be kind to me. Um, Barcelona is the best team. And every day, every Sunday, I was going to the stadium. And I used to be very attractive to a little person who, every time that the players got injured, used to come out with a, with a magic a little suitcase. And in less than 30 seconds, all the players suddenly uh, stand up and they were they were fantastic playing again. And one day I was sitting there with my dad and say, Dad, I want to be that person. And later on, I realized that it was a physiotherapist and I decided that I wanted to be uh, a sports physiotherapist. Unfortunately, um, I did like partying a bit too much and I did not have the grades uh, to, um, to, go to, um, to, to go to the physiotherapy. But I was lucky enough that um, on my application for university, um, I put a physiotherapy and a second option, I put nursing. I didn't know anything about nursing, I, I, I need to be honest. Uh, and no, nobody in my family um, um, used um, have um, nursing background. But uh, the other option, I wanted to be a paramedic. And in Spain, 21 years ago, to be a paramedic, you needed to be a nurse first. And, and there I went. Um, I was um, basically destiny um, made me uh, to start nursing, and I did completely fell in love uh, during the first uh, during the first years. Also, I need to say that during nursing during university they had the best parties I ever been. Also, they were full of females. I mean, I was the, the, the king of the mambo. They say this thing. <laughs> I did love, but I did love the the, the 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 scientific part of nursing, the learning and everything, but also the human side 
of, of the nursing. And I, I decided that I wanted to be an a and &E nurse um, uh, before become a paramedic. At that point, um, um, it was ER was one of the biggest uh, series on television. And I thought a bit that I was a bit like George Clooney and said, well, let's go to A&E. Yeah. And I like a bit of action. And I was there. Uh, but unfortunately, I finished in 1997 and I tried very hard to find a permanent job. Um, the situation in Spain was not very good. And I did find occasionally work, um, um, summers, um, but never uh, 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 a long, a long um, um, contract. And after three years, I was a bit fed up and because yeah. I wanted continuity. I wanted to carry on pursuing my dream. And then uh, the only option at that point was to um, to go abroad. And when I was growing up, I always admired England, um, the United Kingdom. I admired the, um, you know, the music, the Beatles. I was grown up with um, then the picture mode, um, pictures boys and everything. And and yeah. then also the television, the humor. The the my favorite um, my favorite series was uh, Faulty Towers. I'm, I'm from Barcelona, like Manuel, yeah. uh, and and the Blackadder uh, and, and the youngsters. That, that was um, a fantastic series. And then the the, the fashion and the music. Um, I mean, I didn't think more than five minutes when one day I saw an advert on a paper that say there's a job in England and mm. please apply. And I did apply. Mm. And then I got accepted. And um, on Bonfire in year 2000, I landed in Luton Airport with um, a suitcase uh, full of dreams and 50 pounds in my pocket. And that was my journey, the start of my journey here in, in this country. I started working the following Monday in intensive care at the Northern General Hospital in Sheffield. Wow. Wow. That is got to have been quite a culture shock. It, it was. It was. I completely underestimated because I thought, well, what can be different between England and, and, and Spain? Um, also, I choose completely the wrong time. If everybody asks me uh, always the, the question, what will be advice to any, any nurse from, from abroad to come to England? What's your best advice? I always say, don't come during the winter months. If you need to come to this country, come from May onwards. Winters, if you're not used to them, they're absolutely um, dark and rainy. You don't see the sunshine uh, and, and it's very difficult to adapt. I was coming from Spain when the culture is that you spend most of the time outside on bars, meeting people at the beach and, and basically you only go home to sleep. I came here in November and there was nobody on the streets. Everybody yeah. is at home. Yeah. And it took me quite a shock. I always say that we were, um, because I wasn't, I didn't come alone. There was, 30, uh, I think 12 of us came on a plane from different parts of Spain. Mm. And after a year, I was the only one left. I mm. always say that I was the winner of Big Brother before Big Brother was invented. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So you had a huge amount of experience then working in these really quite acute um, nursing um, settings. How have things yeah. been different then when we think about kind of your experience during COVID? Because I think a lot of nurses have taken quite a battering in that time. Yeah, um, the problem is the intensity of of, of that, that that period and and uh, and uh, emotionally also you get involved. The, the fact that uh, um, and that you don't have families involved and also you uh, you feel alone because I was. I was a senior nurse. I was working um, in uh, quality improvement. I was uh, my specialty was the technology, how to make um, um, the NHS uh, um, deliver better care with uh, the help with technology in, in a way to try to bring the NHS to the 21st century that sometimes feels that we're a bit behind. That was uh, my job. When COVID hit um, the, the pandemic, uh, 
um, my uh, all the hospitals my hospital around the country they decided to stop the non-essential projects and redeploy um, nurses like me uh, yeah. to the front line um, and again and um, it, at that point um, I because I had uh, an ITU background the the first my first job that I that I came was in ITU I decided um, I volunteered myself to say boy if I need to go somewhere can I go to intensive care and I underestimated also um, the impact that that will have on my mental health and, and the heart that uh, is going to be in, in there. Um, uh, I always thought that I was quite a strong uh, person. I always thought that I was, I was quite resilient, but I was not prepared of the uh, influx of emotions that I have in, on a daily basis. On the same day, I had anxiety, I had fear, I have happiness suddenly because somebody wake up. Uh, I have, um, have um, you know, a lot of horror, um, um, angry, angriness, a lot of loneliness, all that. Uh, these emotions can go in, in less than five, five minutes from one side to another. Mm -hmm. Also, I was in a place that I was redeployed and I didn't know um, practically anybody because the Sheffield Hospital is one of the biggest in the country. We have 17,000 staff. I mean, for me, moving from my little unit, that um, quality improvement, suddenly to another unit completely different. Um, um, people, yeah, so um, faces and everything, but um, I didn't meet them. And also, don't forget that I only recognize eyes. Um, and um, and the problem that I have um, is that um, I'm not very good with just eyes. Uh, and that's what um, I spent there um, for the first wave. And, um, and also, um, I did have signs of, of, of anxiety and mental fatigue and everything, but I, uh, I felt um, that I couldn't, I couldn't do anything about it, and I, and I just keep putting, um, putting them onto, onto the back of my head and say, oh, you need to carry on, that needs me. Because also, I felt, I felt very proud of what I was doing. It's been the, one of the proudest moments of my career, but also it's been the hardest. Mm. Because the, the, you know, the sense of that we are doing something, making a difference, also come back. Because I became a nurse because I wanted to make a difference. So during COVID, I did um, find this sense of belonging again. That a bit because I'm, I'm a um, um, overseas nurse. Brexit a bit have took me a bit of my identity, and uh, and that COVID in a way nobody was uh, worried about my accent. Nobody would say anything about where I come from. And suddenly nobody was asking me where you come from. They were very happy to see me. And mm -hmm. that sense of belonging that I lived, I did lost a few years, a couple of years before, mm -hmm. it was there, and also I was proud, mm -hmm. but. I was in denial, and the first time I have an anxiety attack, I, I I didn't do anything, and it was not on until uh, I froze. Um, I still remember uh, I was um, I had a, a very sleepless night the night before. Um, a patient that was caring for nearly a month uh, passed away uh, alone. I was the only person there. Emotionally, was very uh, very tough because I I also was at the big uh, was at the the first wave. We still not allowed. Um, 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 families to come the last minute during the second wave and later on the, during the pandemic when we learn a bit more we had um, access to uh, people who were able to say goodbye but at that point um, I was the person there uh, and, uh, and, and I was there on a conversation with um, um, his daughter who was a similar to my daughter uh, mm -hmm. say um, um, goodbye daddy I love you I love you a lot mm -hmm. and that word still now make me cry Mm. Because I saw that it could be me on that on, on that um, on that table. Uh, that daughter saying goodbye it could have been me, and that sense of um, of mortality 
uh, suddenly it had a big impact on me. The following day I was driving, I didn't sleep at all. Uh, I keep saying um, the, the patient dies and that sentence keeps repeating on my head. I start having sweating, palpitations, and I froze. On that double door, when you go to the unit, um, just before you go to the staff room, yeah. uh, I couldn't go. Uh, after five minutes, I managed to have a deep breath going in, and I sat on the on the staff. But the first thing that everybody was doing is to look at each other and, and ask who is missing. Who is missing today? Because obviously, uh, as the as the pandemic was going went through, some of my some of my colleagues were catching COVID because I was in the front line, and we were very lucky that in my unit nobody um, passed away or nobody ended up in intensive care. But all over up and down the country, you will see that. Yeah. And in there, suddenly, I I I, no, I didn't pass out, but I, I went to a completely frozen state. As only when I don't know how long later the the manager, but the, the nursing charge touch my shoulder and say, Joe, are you okay? For the first time in 46 years, I say, no, I don't think I'm okay. And I was lucky that um, because of COVID, um, they put um, a support and, and they put the access to a psychology and a counselor. And I, I went to see the counselor mm. and I start counseling. Um, but um, I refused to go off sick. I refused completely to go off sick um, because, and also refused to admit that I had a mental health problem. Um, mm. Even if I was having counseling and everything, uh, I thought that um, I'll be fine the following day, and I um, and 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 keep going, and and I say, well, if I don't come to work, who will come? That sense of guilt that also I had, the sense of um, we're so short of the staff. If I don't go there, um, my patient could not receive a care, and he may die. That sense of guilt, I never felt it that hard before. It's a sense of duty that I imagine. Um, uh, other nurses also will fail um, uh, that I could not afford going poorly. Also, because I, at that point, I did not take mental health as serious as physical health. Say, physically, I was well and everything. Say, mental health, I should be okay the following morning. I wasn't. I wasn't. Um, and um, I was also very, uh, very good a GP. Uh, I have a, a GP nurse um, who also was very good. It took me under, under her wing and mm. prescribed me propanolol in case of I had um, any more panic attacks. But I did manage, in a way, um, to complete my 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 thing in intensive care the first wave. And then at the end of July, I went back to my to my role as a quality improvement nurse. Mm. Then um, I thought that was it. But then again, it came the second wave. Mm. And I had a conversation with my manager, my manager from my actual role and say, Joe, we're going to open again the intensive care, but I don't think you should go there because of your previous history. I completely refuse. Say, I need to go back there. I say, but you mentally, um, you are going to put in a, in, a, in, a, in a very difficult position. I say, Bo, if I don't go, who will go? We don't have any more nurses. You know, we have this influx and everything. Mm. And looking at now, um, I should I shouldn't have um, gone back to, to intensive care, but I went because again um, I I wanted to be there. But the second wave for me was worse um, of the first one because at that point also I had anger, anger mixing with everything because I I saw a directly effect of the relaxing the uh, the uh, the COVID restrictions that happened during Christmas. I saw uh, mm. families in in my unit. People are a lot younger. I, re, I I was counting one day. I was there, 
and I counted the average age of the people during second wave and their average age, age they were younger than me. At that point, I started having um, nightmares, um, sleepless nights, waking up, and the mood swings started. Um, I became um, also paranoid. Uh, I became that because I was so tired. Um, uh, I was became paranoid. I was going to make a mistake and, and everything. And despite I started also having um, therapy and everything, but again, I did refuse to go up sick. Um, I said, you're not going to make me uh, go sick. But very slowly, my therapist um, was, she was um, very clever. Mm. And, and the, the, the problem I had is I was the inability to offload all these feelings. Um, mm. And that feelings, every time I was going to intensive care, they were accumulating and they were, they were creating a weight onto my shoulders. And that way, at the end, there was, that's the reason because I, I, I was becoming paralyzed. And what the therapist helped me to do is very little to try to offload that. But as a man, I never learned um, how to do that. I'm I'm not very good um, at expressing my feelings. And also, I come from a culture from Spain that is a macho culture. That mm-hmm. when you are when you are at school at my age in the 1970s, um, if you ask all the all the boys what they want to do when they're older, um, they, everybody will say, "Boy, I want to be a footballer or a matador." That was the stereotypes. Mm-hmm. And and the, and the male-dominating culture, that the man is to be the breadwinner, it was, I think it was a lot more uh, strong that here in the UK. But that reason, mental health, we don't we don't talk uh, amongst men. And we've seen there's a wings. I also showed that uh, as a wings. But what the therapist did, um, because I was, uh, my inability of talking about feelings, I created this shield around me. And that shield made me um, also become more lonely and isolated into, into myself. Um, then I found, she found, she tried a lot of therapies, um, meditation, I couldn't do that, um, yoga, I couldn't do that, other things, but I found one that it did have a lot of a, a good effect, that is writing. Um, she made me carry a book, um, um, a little book, and it made me time, every time that you feel something, say, write it down. Doesn't matter what it is, doesn't matter, don't, don't write sentences. If you feel angry, write angry. If you feel sad, write sad. If you feel frustrated, just write it down. Offload that feeling. And before to go to bed, read um, all the feelings that you had that day. And that's how it started. I started offload all these feelings. And then um, the next step, a couple of weeks later, and say, okay, now every time you put a feeling, try to tell next to it, just very short sentence, why you feel angry. And then I used to write, I feel angry, um, because um, um, uh, the Boris Johnson relaxed the rules, or I feel anxious uh, because they don't have my size of PPE today, or I feel frustrated because it seems that the numbers are going down. And that also helped me um, to, to express. And then the next step is that I share my diary. Um, one of the things I had problems is um, with my loved ones, uh, because I wanted to, them to protect them. I didn't want them to see what I was going through is um, I was pretending that I was okay also. But that also had um, a counter effect. I mean, I became a stranger inside my family because because of my pain, I became isolated. And then because my fear of, my worst fear was to, for them to bring COVID onto my, into my family, I also started sleeping in the, in the spare bedroom. And I mean, all my uh, relationship with my wife went down the pan, my family and everything. I was basically a bit of a Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And, 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 and 
at some point, my wife say, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say because um, I don't know how you're going to respond. My my change of of of, of 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 character was very quickly, and I, I was I was quite um, uh, I could go ballistic for minimal things that mm-hmm. thinking now say that's uh, that's very very um, that very well, I think it makes no sense. But mm-hmm. um, that's when just before um, I started these things, the counselor. Uh, but after that, um, it told me that I had PTSD. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, that to say, well, that's impossible. I'm a nurse. I'm not a soldier. PTSD is for soldiers. I'm not been any war. I'm not been anything. And I say no. I say the micromanage, the micro, um, um, the micro crisis that you had and the exposure that you have on a daily basis, the death, the inability to to offload your feelings, the mm-hmm. your sense that you need to carry on despite what uh, and everything that make that uh, you um, you you have developed PTSD. And the problem I had is. My anxiety, the tickets for my anxiety was the hospital. Um, mm. The journey from home to the hospital, um, it, mm. it was becoming more and more difficult for me. Um, and that leaf um, uh, to the unit, um, I um, I had nightmares about that leaf. And I realized um, that I needed to do something drastically. Otherwise, I was going to lose everything and, and my career, my everything. Because my counselor said, well, Unless you go off sick or you do something, next step, you're already on propanolol, you're already on therapies, you, mm. st- you still refuse to go off sick. Unless you go off sick mm. um, or do something else, they wanted me to start to prescribe antidepressives and other things. And I say, um, I do something. And then I start I start running. Um, one of the therapies that my counselor prescribed me is um, run. Um, just, just go for a run. Mm. At that point, I was quite overweight because part of my anxiety... Um, the way that calmed my anxiety was eating. Um, I come from a culture that um, my mom loved to feed me and mm. and uh, all sitting around the table and everything. And, I, and from my youth, all my happy happiness experience is always been surrounded by, by food. Uh, um, and, you know, and and that's why I, I became also a way of comfort for me was food, but my weight ballooning during pandemic. Mm. And I ended up at that point that I decided that the only way for me uh, to avoid a completely crisis, a, men- a mental um, a meltdown, was to leave nursing and to find another job. I was devastated. I was mm-hmm. devastated because nursing mm-hmm. is the thing that I've done for 21 years. Mm-hmm. But I also realized that what the, my counselors say, look, unless you start caring for yourself and take your mental health seriously, you will, um, uh, you will, uh, uh, you will end up, um, you know, uh, quite poorly. And I realized then that I ignored my mental health for 40, 46 years. And if I have done the same with the, my physical health, I will have probably have serious consequences. But that's how happened also with mental health. I realized that there's nothing to be ashamed about my mental health. And the, the only problem is that I didn't care about my mental health at all for 45 years. And I realized that if I wanted to carry on, um, I needed to start caring and, and about my mental health, about myself, and to give the same importance to my mental health than to my physical health. Because I was, you know, every time that uh, I had the headaches or I have any physical problems, I know what to do. I know I need to go to a doctor or I need to take um, a paracetamol or I need to do that. Yeah. But for mental health, my instinct reaction is it will pass, it will pass, it will pass. But if you have pain on your knee and you carry on walking, 
it not you don't get better, you get worse. The same mm-hmm. with the mental health. Mm-hmm. And, and my advice is that I don't want anybody who's watching that to make the same mistake as I do and think mm-hmm. that if if that that will pass the anxiety, nothing to worry mm-hmm. about anything. Mm-hmm. You need the sooner you seek help, the sooner you can offload that, the sooner you can start sharing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it's in the English language you say, but problem uh, share is problem half. Mm-hmm. That the sooner then you can become, um, um, you can regain the, the the balance. That's the problem. I went so far to the extreme that for me the only the only way to regain the balance was to leave completely. Mm-hmm. And on a moment that we have so many nurses that um, that they're burning out, I think uh, we need uh, to, to take the stigma out of mental health and and it should be compulsory that every nurse should have access to uh, the counselor uh, in the hospitals yeah. and everything and not to wait mm. till you cannot carry on anymore because then we lose nurses. Mm. If we put something in place and a space for the nurses to offload all mm. these emotions, because nursing is one of the most emotional careers that you can find. You find the people you care for on the worst moment of their life and you absorb, you keep absorbing. For, for 21 years, I absorb all these emotions. Mm. And if you don't offload them, you end up like me just nearly well, having a completely meltdown and completely mm-hmm. a crisis. Mm-hmm. And I realized that actually seeking help is nothing to be ashamed. It's one of the bravest things you can do. And it's one of the best things I have done. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, the only thing I'm ashamed is I didn't realize that a lot early as a nurse. I thought that um, I, I did know a lot of things. Memory realized that, um, you know, I, I should have seek help a long time ago. Because looking now, there were signs before COVID. There were signs that I was burning out um, the year, a couple of three years ago before that. And I completely ignored that signs. If I had seek help then... Look at that. I mean, you said so much. That's so important. And and first of all, just thank you for being so honest, because I think it does make a difference for people to hear it. And you're 100% right when you say there is a a shame still, particularly Mm -hmm. for for professionals, particularly for nurses who are supposed to be able to just take anything and do anything to say that they need help too. And I think it's 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 really important to see nurse leaders like yourself actually standing up and saying health yeah. is the same physical health mental health yeah. when you need help you need help so dave's tweeting out now some of the sort of support things that you can access if this is something that's happening yeah. for you things like nurse lifeline but even finding someone to talk to at work and we will obviously look at your your experiences joe about how you sort of care for yourself and and, and the advice that you've got but one thing you you keep saying that's so interesting and I think will really resonate with a lot of nurses is you're really smart and if this was happening to anybody else you would have said yeah you need to get help right now and you you were saying like all the times when you had that trigger that impulse or someone said to you you need to go off sick or you need to take a moment you're really resistant to it what what do you think that's about because a lot of nurses I think it's a shame a bit of a shame and the stigma that um, if I if I I thought that as a leader, because as a as a, as a senior nurse, mm-hmm. I needed to be um, resilient. I needed to be present, but I, I, I confused the word resilience of I needed to be there at any cost, and and that and that cost at the end my mental health. Also, um, I was in a way in denial that I have mental health problems because I thought that if I have mental health problems, I will be the people will see me less as a as a good nurse, or less as a good father, less as a, as a less as a man, because I thought. If people um, know that I have these anxiety problems and all these other problems, they will completely 
uh, see me that I'm not good to lead anything. Uh, and I had this idea that as a leader, any kind of leadership, you needed to uh, you needed to uh, to show the the strength and and to be strong. And I say, well, that is completely the wrong for me the wrong approach because as a leader, I, I, I'm human. I'm not a hero. I'm not an angel. I'm mm. I, I, I'm I have moments that I'm strong, but I'm also um, mm. I have moments that I need help like anybody else. Mm. But the idea that that people know that I was struggling, for me, it was a no-no, a no-go zone, because mm -hmm. I built for a lot of years my image. And I, mm -hmm. and, you know, and I had the idea that um, I spent um, months and years uh, trying to, um, to get the recognition that I had at that point. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and if I, people suddenly attach mental health to my name, uh, nobody will seem to take me seriously. Nobody will respect me as a nurse or as a, or, or, or as a man or as a father. That's what I thought. I was completely wrong because um, I couldn't be far more wrong because as soon as I realized that um, and I started sharing my story, uh, the support has been incredible. And I think um, I think mm -hmm. it's made me a better person because I'm more balanced now. Um, you know, I, I don't pretend that um, to put a brave face, uh, face to whatever despite the situations. And I have bad days like anybody else and, and, and I make decisions um, that the hard decision because my role and everything, and that people need to know that um, as a senior nurses, um, um, we also um, care for the decision we we made, and and they have my decisions. Um, they have an impact not just um, uh, in 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 my unit. They have impact in all the hospital, and sometimes you feel responsible when 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 down the line the the, the frontline nurse um, um, Mary don't have enough resources to deliver the care that the patient deserves, and that can come back to me on one of my decisions because I decided to move budgets and everything. That affects also as a senior nurse, and I think we need to humanize a bit more um, the NHS, and we need to take the stigma, yeah. uh, sorry, not the stigma, you need to take the image of the of nursing and, and, and doctors are heroes. We're not heroes. Mm. We're not heroes. We're human beings, but we are highly qualified with highly knowledge and with highly um, uh, competence. Mm. And we uh, we constantly making decisions that save people's life, mm -hmm. but we have also a human side, and sometimes we need a bit of um, of, of of caring for ourselves. And I realized that caring for yourself is not selfish; is the selfless, the the most selfless thing that you can do. Because unless you care for yourself, mm -hmm. then you cannot give uh, good care to anybody else. Because on that situation mm -hmm. I was, mm -hmm. I think looking at now, um, I think I was dangerous going to work on the mental state I, I had, because mm -hmm. I could have made a lot of mistakes. Luckily, I wasn't. I, I did not. Luckily, I had a very good team, and I was in intensive care that is one-to-one -one care. I mean, uh, in a way, it's a bit more control. But I don't know what will have happened if I had gone to um, a, a, a war with uh, 15 or, or 20 patients. I I don't know. Yes. I mean, mm -hmm. I, and, it's, that, and it's interesting yeah. what you're saying as well, this pressure. So there's the pressure of yeah. like the image that we have the pressure we put on ourselves and it's all sort of jumbled up together. Before we get any further though, I can see some questions have come in. So I'm going to go over to Dave. Dave, do you want to ask some questions over? Go on. Yeah, thanks, Nikki. Uh, yeah, we've had quite a few comments in. Uh, Joe Masters, uh, really interested in your story. You're articulating your experience so well. The way nurses feel guilt and take on crazy levels of responsibility. Uh, so I'm sure there'll be lots of people watching tonight that kind of feel that, you know, experience that day in, day out. Uh, and I suppose your story kind of highlights really strongly about 
why it's important to take that time to think about how that impacts you and the kind of steps that you can take sometimes to to, to improve that. Uh, we've had uh, Victory say hello, so hello. Uh, Simone's <laughs> given a comment a bit off topic tonight, but uh, we'll put a, a response in the, uh, the, the text. Uh, and then Alfonso's put in a few comments. Uh, Don't you think it's also the employer's responsibility to preserve staff's well-being? So I don't know if you just want to share a few thoughts on that and then maybe I can give a, a bit of an extra sort of answer as well from a, a union side. I do. And I, I think that it's been neglected. Mental health has been neglected among the workforce, but hopefully that changed because I see in a lot of initiatives now from NHS England that um, that uh, they're putting a lot of more resources and and um, and nurses are, and frontline have um, more access to health lines and also a lot of hospitals. Um, they have also um, higher counselors that they, they, they can access a lot more quicker um, because I don't think it's acceptable that at the moment um, to uh, to access to a mental health help uh, some people are waiting six months uh, and I don't think that's uh, that's acceptable. Um, I think that's part of the problem because the longer you wait is what I said before the the, the weight keeps accumulating the longer you have this weight on on your shoulders, the more difficult it is to offload it. If you have, um, uh, it's like anything, um, the quicker you uh, you put something in place, the prevention of burnout start from the first moment that that, even you, I think that it should be compulsory on every team meeting, every monthly team meeting um, mm. to uh, to have a counselor in that team meeting and have counseling sessions for nurses to go. Even if they go there and, and they don't have anything to say, then we need to, to remove that stigma and make it, more as a natural way to offload things that is happened. We live on um, people dying day in, day out, and, and, and a lot of people, um, you know, on their trouble. Also, it's, it's, it's a profession of, of both the extremes because also we have a lot of happy memories of, of, of a lot of patients that they recover and they go back to the situation. But we, um, we go very quickly to the next patient because the workloads are so, uh, so hard now and so um, intense nowadays we can go from a happy a happy moment with a patient to the next minute to a sad moment to another patient and the next minute to another one and that kind of 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 of, ment, of mental pressure it takes a toll on on onto your onto your brain and everything and unless we learn to offload um we then if not we became what i say more of a like a like a machine i still remember when I finished my education and one of the first time I went to the war, I still remember the matron. They were matrons at that point. They're matrons now, but they're not the same. They, they, the matron, it was one day that I had a fight with my girlfriend and I went to the unit. I was a bit sad and everything. And the first thing, no response, please, you leave all your feelings as you go through the door. And I say, yes, matron. And then 10 years later, I say, well, I don't want to be that nurse. I don't want to be a robot. I don't want to be... Um, a nurse who don't feel anything. That's what they asked me to do. Uh, because I think nursing also needs to have empathy and compassion and everything. And, and it changed a lot in the last in the last few years. But when you get involved, that every patient for me takes a bit of your soul. Every patient who gets discharged home uh, on a positive note also takes a bit of you with, with them. People who die also takes a bit of you, a piece of, of your heart with, with them. And unless you replay and, and recover from all these pieces that they keep taking out of you, you end up completely 
um, lost and, and and you don't know how to how to carry on. That self care is important. And other countries, for example, if we look um, uh, uh, Nordic countries and everything, they have mental health days. They can uh, people can phone and say, I don't feel well today. I'm taking a mental health day, and they're on the top of your annual leave. They don't call, they don't count as a sick days. They count as a mental health days. And I think we should um, uh, learn from from that countries and maybe to put something similar in here. Because at some point uh, during your year, um, your, your year that you are um, um, uh, working, you will have days that you need a bit of me time. And mm. if you do that, we may prevent a lot of burnout. We may prevent a lot of nurses going long-term sick. Mm. You've actually answered another question without being asked it, so well done. If <laughs> you're informed tonight, saying uh, what's the one thing employers should do, and I guess that's that's right. Dave? Yeah, I, I, it's, I'm just thinking about sort of the, some of the stuff you said and, and the kind of uh, the things that we've done on previous MHTV episodes. Uh, and I think some of them kind of, you know, come together really nicely. So I've tweeted out a link to the previous episode that we did with a couple of colleagues that started Nurse Lifeline. Uh, and I know you mentioned that before, Nikki, that's uh, a charity that they've set up that has the option for, you know, nurses, midwives, nurse assistants to be able to phone up uh, and get support. Uh, and obviously that's that's a really important place. Uh, just a comment that Tam's put on, uh, I think employers have a duty to take care of their employees' well-being to retain staff, but most times they don't due to various reasons. The union should be able to represent the employee's voice when necessary. And if it's not living to the expectations, then maybe we need to look into what needs to change to make things better. And certainly, you know, there should be kind of things that are in place that supports good work on this. Just thinking about things like the NHS staff survey for organisations that, you know, NHS organisations, that that should give a really good insight into the health, including the mental health of staff. Uh, and good employers will look at that and say, well, actually, we're obviously not doing so well in this element this year. What steps can we take to make this better? You know, there's there's other things out there. So we've had an episode on the uh, the professional uh, is it the professional nurse advocates that we did with uh, Emma Wade a, a while back. Uh, and, and obviously those kind of mechanisms where people can be supported trained to, to do that work and also we've reported in the past in the journal on uh, the mental health what, what's it called mental health first aid you know I know some universities have, have trained students in mental health first aid not only for supporting each other but for supporting uh, people when they go out into the workforce one of the questions I had for you Nikki was uh, I suppose do you think that mental health nurses are better at this than adult child no. and learning disability nurses <laughs> no. i think there's something exactly exactly as i was saying there's something in the identity of nursing which is partly pushed on us and partly that we create ourselves that means that we hold ourselves to standards which are inhuman and the advice that we would give to other people the way that we look after other people we don't take that understanding and that understanding of what it means to be a well human we don't bring that to ourselves in fact if anything some people get a bit of pride out of not not doing it like being tougher not needing to go to the loo not needing to take a break not needing to ask for help yeah. and we we as 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 nurses who've been in the game a while need to really say don't do that it's a mistake it's not right and the same thing you see it with humor as well when you know, 
being a nurse is a source of great joy and hilarity. Yeah. But it's about not punching down. And sometimes when you see that sarcastic, that angry humour, it's really masking a lot of pain that nursing can bring to you as well. And I think this that, that we need to be much more on the lookout for signs that somebody isn't isn't doing as well as they might and actually being generous and gentle and compassionate with each other the way that we try to be for service users and patients and particularly we need to do a lot better job of looking after our baby nurses our students our junior colleagues and being better role models to them I think because I know the lessons that I've got in my head came from the senior nurses above me who barely seemed human at all you know in some ways they were really they never seemed to get upset they never seemed to feel sad they never seemed to make mistakes and it's really hard to know how to thrive and learn and grow if you never see any any problems. Alfonso has written down here as well, um, talking about the about what you were saying, Joanne, about the importance of um, offloading. And sometimes it's really difficult to offload because it feels like you're bringing another problem into an area where there's already loads of problems. Um, and he's talked as well about cultural and organisational issues where we don't um, prioritise our health. And again, the idea when you were saying, you know, you didn't, have the parity of esteem you didn't value mental health in the same way because you hadn't had to to that point um we're saying it's just not high on the agenda for people um jesseline Carto, hello jesseline said um that she thinks a mental health nurses have a better understanding as compared to children and mental health nurses i think they have a better understanding but i don't think necessarily we have a better understanding to ourselves <laughs> but no. i might be wrong i mean everyone's different aren't they but, <clears> yeah i suppose one of the reasons i asked that question Nikki was a kind of a loaded question in a way is uh, I was at a university uh, back in the day when I went to universities uh, and kind of had a chat with some of the student mental health nurses uh, and a couple of them were describing the problems that they were having with their own mental health Uh, and actually kind of the really poor response they'd had from their universities which was obviously stacked with mental health nurses that were now lecturers and it's that kind of, it's just really sad to hear that message, isn't it? That, you know, you would expect that the, the, the support and the care that they should receive would be the best in the country. But obviously, you know, the, the description that they, they gave uh, certainly wasn't, which was 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 a real shame. Mm, definitely. Yeah. John, you were going to say something that we interrupted, what was it? Yeah, it's just, um, also, I think that's a call for universities. When I studied nursing, I had um, a lot of emphasis on anatomy, biology, pharmacology, uh, chemistry, uh, and, and everything. But I don't remember any uh, anything about um, how to take care of your mental health. There was no no subject for three years. Then we never talk about how a nurse can take care of a mental health mm. and how can they do if they struggle. Um, and for me, that needs to change. It needs to be uh, uh, put in the curriculum that self-care and also mental health should be part of a compulsory curriculum as important as biology, as knowing all the bones or as knowing all the pharmacs and contraindications should be as important and at that. Hopefully that changed, but I'm talking about 20 years ago when I was a student that there was non-existent mental health uh, um, inside the university. There was not a subject. And I say, now looking at this, that, that was, I think is a big mistake. It is a bit different now that it is in the curriculum. The problem is the curriculum is very task focused. And yeah. the, and whilst there's supposed to be parity of care, it's like the more the more you have of one field of nursing, they just end up dominating without meaning to sometimes. So there's a big adult focus, in my opinion. And when we are losing maybe space in the curriculum that needs to go to mental and, and, and emotional well-being. 
particularly for nurses to identify their own issues. So I think you made a really interesting point there. Um, we've, we've gone on for ages again, as ever. Every day we do this, we always think, right, we're going to keep the time. We're not to time. But if you had some um, opportunity to, to say, you know, from your experience, because everyone's experience is different, but what have you learned about self-care and nursing? What would you maybe like to pass on? Yeah, there's nothing to be ashamed um, to mm. having a wobble or to having a, a bit of anxiety or, or having a bad day at work. Everybody can have that. The important mm. thing is um, to seek help. I think is one of the bravest things. And mm. don't keep these feelings, um, uh, um, that bad feelings to yourself. Share them. Um, your friends or, or if you don't don't want to share them with friends, go to a counsellor. I found it a lot easier with a counsellor. Mm. Um, for some extent reason, I, I rather um, confine my my mental health problems to a stranger than not to my to my to my loved ones. Mm. But uh, I'm learning. Please don't um, don't keep it to yourself. The best things and the bravest things that anybody can do is to 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 seek help. Yeah, Dave, is there anything you wanted to add to that? Just to say, you know, absolutely, and obviously in terms of union membership, there are places to get support. You know, there's obviously the kind of the impact that mental health has on you as a person, but also on your ability to work. And if you do feel like, you know, you're not able to work, if you feel like there's problems with you being able to work safely, then do talk to your local workplace reps. Uh, I know as a health and safety rep when I was in the NHS, uh, having conversations with colleagues that were feeling sort of great distress uh, and supporting them to look after themselves, but also to make sure that they weren't making those mistakes in the workplace that, you know, that, that could store up bigger problems later on. Uh, so, you know, th those kind of really important steps to take, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's absolutely key. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the other thing is, you know, just sort of hopefully there is lots of work going on in this area like you said already uh, we're going to report on some of it in the next uh, mental health nursing journal uh, but there's meetings coming up to kind of further the work that's been happening over the last couple of years uh, because of the sort of previous uh, research that showed the disproportionately high number of uh, especially female nurses that were uh, co contemplating our uh, you know, uh, sort of self-harm and suicide. Mm. Uh, and obviously, you know, there are steps being taken to support people uh, in, in workplaces, uh, but we know that often that progress is too slow. Uh, so, you know, don't wait for people to, 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 to sort of bring in new things. Uh, make sure you use the, 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 the things that are available already. Absolutely. Um, Rui's just managed to get in under the wire with the last question there. Better paying conditions would be the greatest aid to nurses' mental health. I don't think anyone would turn those down. <laughs> but also, um, we realise this is just the tip of the iceberg and everyone has loads of different experience around this. We, we've tweeted out some more links to Duran's um, work and his writing. And if that's something that you find really helpful, I would suggest you do follow up and have a look at that. But also, if tonight you've heard something that's made you feel uncomfortable or worried for a colleague, please reach out to them. Um, and if it's a situation that you find um, is something that really resonates with you, you know, you're valuable, you know, and and, and and precious. And please treat yourself with the care and compassion that you do, the people who you work with. You know, don't wait. Ask for some support if you can have some. So thank you very much for tonight. And most of all, thank you. Thank you, Joanne, for being so open and, oh. and talking about something that a lot of people find so difficult still. It's really appreciated. Uh, so, that helped at least one person that for me that's why I'm what that's why I'm doing it 
Absolutely. And thank you so much to everybody. And I guess wish you good night. Do something nice for yourself tonight. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye.